0: Hi, my name is Brittany and I'm your host. Welcome to Capella Roofing's Industry Insights Podcast. And my guest tonight, somebody who's joining me, is our special guest, founder of US General John Kragos. In today's episode, we'll be discussing how roofing consultants recognize damage on commercial properties, what it's like working with adjusters, and what we do when adjusters don't agree with our inspection reports. So John, I just wanted to start off by asking you just a couple questions, and you kind of roll into it however you'd like to. Um, but one of those questions is, how do roofers recognize damage on a flat roof specifically?
1: Um, roofers um, in, will inspect a property. Um, for me, what I like to do is I like to start ground level. Um, I walk completely around the property. Okay. So a lot of things you're not going to be able to see from the rooftop that you're going to see when you walk around. Sometimes you get to see um, some water damage that has actually come from a corner of a roof. So you make a note of that, that that area is in suspect. Um, You'll also look for any uh, soft metals on the property. So for instance, you've got downspouts or or things like that, um, vents that are kind of hanging out the Mm -hmm. side, and you look for damage on that it would be obviously hail would dent that right um, you're looking for also uh, damage to any siding or concrete and paint that would be on the outside of the property
0: okay.
1: um, in some instances you see one side of the property it's completely shredded where the paints come off and you see that the circle marks on that and then you look at the other side and it's perfectly fine so then that kind of helps you with a directional mm-hmm. uh, scenario with respect to the damage and I'm specifically talking to hail and wind here okay. so um, fire would be totally different obviously right. but you start at the bottom and then you work your way up so once you get to the top of the roof um, I always like to walk the perimeter first okay. so you walk the entire perimeter and then you're looking for damage to the soft metals once again on that roof. You're looking at uh, rooftop units, RTUs, to see if they have fins that are laid down on one side with the damage as opposed to the other. Right. So that's getting you a directionality of the, of the storm that you're looking at. In some instances, you may have layers of storms. So mm-hmm. even though you have identified damage, um, if it is hail related, you may have multiple events on that roof, okay. which makes it more complex, but it's something you want to take a note of and understand. The entire time, you are taking photographs at all times. Okay. Um, I notice that a lot of in, um, investigators will actually take a picture with a finger pointing out where they want to take, you know, what they're pointing out. Okay. That is a pet peeve of mine. I do not <laughs> like those. I like a nice clear ruler and you and you take a picture of it and that's okay. that's a better way to do it than putting your finger in there. I see
0: that so many pictures of that um, hold the list and-
1: yes, they put their finger there and I just <laughs> it's a pet peeve of mine. Um, since I've testified in federal court, it's it's just makes you look unprofessional when Does, you get okay. there. Yep. Okay. Um, also the adjusters at the end when you put something together, you want to have something measured out. Sure. So that helps get the uh, process going in the right direction. Um, so once I'm on the roof, I, I do the soft metals and I'm constantly taking pictures with, with measuring everything. And then I start looking at the field. The field, I'm going to identify the roof type. Okay. So whether it's an EPDM, uh, built up roof, it could be um, a mod bit, it could be PVC, TPO. They both look very similar. So unless you know what you're doing, you may end up with something different uh, in your report, which is incorrect. Um, experts can usually identify the difference between the two Okay. Um, furthermore um, with that you're looking at your pipe jacks you're looking at what damage is up there then um, with permission obviously what I like to do is I like to do it's called a forensic inven- investigation of the property okay. or of the roof system so what I do is a roof core mm-hmm. it's handheld I've built a new one that is um, almost three and a half feet tall
0: you built one
1: yes because the roof cores, cores that you get at the, you know, yep. at the at the uh, shop, they're only about eighteen inches long.
0: Right.
1: Well, I was getting into roofs that had insulation that was almost three and a half the three and a half feet high. Oh. So you have to be able to identify what you have. Okay. So we were doing cores. So you do a core, and you take that core sample out, and you lay it out. You measure everything. You're taking pictures, and then what you do is you take. Um, you identify what each layer is. So there could be multiple roof systems on that roof. Mm. So you lay them out and you identify which each one are. Okay. And then at the end of that, you put the entire core system back into the roof. This is, this is key for everybody out there. <laughs> I know of investigators that will keep these core samples and they put them in jars and they wait for the lawsuit to happen some five, 10 years later. And you are responsible for keeping all of these jars mm-hmm. of your roof course. I prefer pictures yeah put it right back into the roof the way it was and do a nice patch which if you know how to patch that's a whole nother section that you have to go through and know how to patch a roof for the particular roof type it should be water more watertight than the entire roof when you're done so um so you patch that after you get the information you need then what you do is um if if we need to Do a test cut of the actual roof itself, which we like to do about 18 inches by 18 inches square with rounded corners. We take that piece out. If we choose to have it um, forensically further analyzed by a lab, we can send these out to actually have them looked at. That will identify any hail damage to to the sample. Um, in some cases, in some cases, it's not necessary. You may be able to identify the damage just by flipping up the sheet and seeing what, what your, what your roof structure is and whether or not you have any, um, if it's, if it's an adhered product, then you are looking at cohesion and adhesion failure. Um, that's, that's something that you can do in the field. You don't really need much help. Or if you flip the sheet over and you see a nice circle fracture in there so you can actually Mm. look up and see uh, the light come through from the sun so there's lots of different things and it always depends on the roof type okay so there's so many different things you have to consider when you're looking at the roof type then um what i like to do for the next step once i've identified damage now i like to try and put it into something that i can generate a report on sure so um the final thing i do on that initial investigation would be to identify the deck type a lot of times, even with a core, you can't identify the deck type because there may be a deck over a deck on that roof. Mm. Best way. Do you to, see that often? Sometimes you do. I've seen a metal corrugated metal deck over a lightweight concrete deck.
0: Interesting. Which
1: is was odd. Yeah. But it was in New Mexico, but it was <laughs> okay. there, so I have to I have to put that in, and that's just the nature of what, what it is.
0: Now, so you you work in multiple states, right? Yes. So. Does this differ by states, have you found that at least, or is it kind of the same process? Or
1: It's pretty much the same process wherever you go. Um, you have to understand that in certain, um, certain climates you have different damages that may occur. Sure. For instance, Colorado, you've got a huge uh, uh, heat to, uh, to cold ratio every day. Right. And you have freezing, so once you get water into a system and you have freeze-thaw, freeze-thaw, the freeze-thaw effect will tear a roof apart over over a period of time yeah. so then you have to identify when did that water get into that roof and that usually you can find out by your test cuts and whatnot but it could also be construction um, moisture too so you have to take into the construction site as well um, I had a client who was um, pouring a new uh, slab on grade
0: mm-hmm. underneath
1: their uh, their roof new roof system and when they did that the con- just the moisture from the concrete
0: mm-hmm.
1: actually setting up they had the place closed up they didn't leave it open and the moisture actually got into the roof system up wow. top and it was completely soaked and it was actually dripping into the property oh, even though there was goodness. no breach on the top of the roof so, so do you
0: when, so you talked about the inspection right you start on the outside perimeters yep. and then you kind of work your way up do you ever look on the interior of the
1: That final piece is me looking inside up at the roof. And if I have to get through tiles, if you usually have a hatch and you can identify what your roof, what what your deck type is from that hatch. So then, um, at the end of that, I put that together. If I do identify moisture, think moisture is in the system. Then what we do is we do moisture testing. Um, I have had experts come in and do moisture testing sometimes on bigger cases. Um, primarily because it's nice to have another expert that only does moisture testing. Mm-hmm. So, But for the most part, if I'm doing some preliminary work on it and I want to see if there's moisture in the, in the roof, I will get a moisture reader or an infrared camera. Okay. And they're, they're pretty inexpensive. I think most roofing companies have them now. Right. Um, when I started using them, uh, mine was $10,000. Um, oh, wow. It was a nice uh, Fleur camera for 10 grand. dollars so, But now they've gotten a lot more economical um to learn how to use them is very important just to use them out during the daytime is not a good idea Um, when you get in when you're doing these tests what you want to do is get that flux of temperature so the best time to do them is right at dusk Mm. the outdoor ambient temperature will drop enough so the rooftop will actually be quite a bit cooler and then or cooler than normal sure okay but underneath, it actually cools. Wherever there's water, it's going to be cooler, much cooler. Mm-hmm. So you can actually see what the outline is of where the water is in the roof when you walk it at night. That's smart. So what I do is I take a picture with my with my camera and a picture with my, my infrared camera. Wow. So I identify the area and you can actually see where the water is coming in.
0: It's nice to have all those tools that can go into that and help you get it done quicker or more efficient. Yes, so. then
1: that tells you whether or not you need to hire an expert. On that right. end. Because I, as an expert, it's fun how how I've done my work. I've always kept experts in their lane. Nobody is a <laughs> jack of all trades. Right. So if I need a forensic uh, moisture analyst, analyst of the roof, I bring them out and they do it, and they give me a report that I can include in my report. Mm. Likewise, if I have a sample that I sent out, I do not have a lab that's worth $9 million, like JS helped. Um, yeah. You send it to people like that, and they, they are accredited with ASTM and UL and all that. So they do the testing, they do the DSAT test, and then they give you a report, and then you include it in your report. Gotcha. Likewise, when you're identifying a storm date, Sure. At the end, if it's going to go to trial, you need to hire a forensic meteorologist to tell you what day it probably happened, what direction the wind was going, how long the hail lasted, and whatnot. So you use those experts in order to build up your report. Sure. So, And then a lot of times they are not expert witnesses in court, so they're not good at speaking. So they're just mm. guys that kind of work in the background. Yeah, so, so then
0: they go but so they,
1: they also know that they have a chance of being called, but that's the nature <laughs> of the beast. So wow. that's the nutshell of looking at um, flat roofs. Um, for the most part, um, I've trained hundreds of people to do it the way I've done it. Yeah. Um, and the nice part is I've actually learned some things from okay. from the people I've trained. They've had some great ideas that I've incorporated in my side. So the more you share what I've learned in this industry, the more you share, um, the more you get back. Right.
0: So, it's like you pour into people yeah. and the, you learn as you go and you're like, oh. Yep. And you can always learn from somebody
1: else. Yeah, and I'll just throw one out. Um, yep. I had a guy who was a computer tech by trade and he was doing roof inspections. and he had a can of air, you know the can of air did. that you clean. So when he did his core, a lot of times you have this this insulation, it's yep. all this other junk that's coming out of the hole. You can never see all the way down. So he took the can of air and blew it out and then you can <laughs> see all the way down. I was like, that's a great idea. I I
0: never thought about that. So
1: now guess what I have in my bag? a can of air. So um, it's just it's good to have, and you learn things as you as you as you go through the whole process. Some tricks. Yep.
0: <laughs> okay. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. That sure. was definitely a lot. Um, but I love the process and just how meticulous you are, right? Because you want to make sure you're not cutting corners, and make sure yeah. you're doing it properly. Um, so moving on from there, I want to ask, what does that relationship look like between roofers and insurance adjusters? What exactly does that dynamic look like?
1: Um, it depends um, from what I've seen in the field from a long time ago um, I actually had relationships with adjusters in the field okay. um, and we would talk and we would get to a, a point where we would figure out that this was necessary in order to restore this property and we would work out the dollars and it would it was done sure. um, nowadays um, unfortunately what I find is the adjusters don't have as much training as some of the experts, roofers out there. Mm. So unfortunately, they're they're relying on um, one or two classes of uh, certifications with HAG or, or whatnot. Sure. Which I'm not going to say that's bad. I'm just saying that that is a good entry level into getting things understood from right. their end. From people like me, when we get up there, you know, it's... It's far beyond the, the experience that we have in order in dealing with these root systems. I'm, again, I'm not saying HAG is bad. It's just that it, whenever I see a HAG certified person up there, I'm probably dealing with somebody that's not as experienced. So I'll try and walk them through mm. what I'm seeing and that sort of thing. So sometimes the relationships are contentious. Yeah. Other times, I prefer to keep it nice and, and just happy. <laughs> um, I always learned, you know, long ago when I was in school that you get more with with honey than you do with vinegar. So that's just the nature of the beast. So even right. if they're being mean to you, um, I highly recommend that you guys are if, even if they're saying no, no, no. I highly recommend that you just um, just s- smile and grin and take it. <laughs> and and usually you're doing your investigation during that time or the secondary investigation. Um, so you're able to show them what you found. Sure. And in other instances, I've had to do additional cores for them because mm. usually adjusters don't bring people on site that are have the ability to do forensics. Why is that? Um, primarily because they're not they're not contractors. So sure.
0: Okay.
1: They they don't have the insurance to cut into a roof.
0: Right.
1: Um, us contractors we carry insurance in order to protect us. Okay. So if something happens from our work. We're we're covered, so um, insurance adjusters will be say we don't do that.
0: Hmm.
1: It's up to you, and that's another thing. Getting back to the concept of mainly commercial properties, right. even even residential, but for the most part, it is the the responsibility of the property owner to provide a proof of loss. Hmm. It is not the responsibility of the insurance adjuster to be up there, to do what is in on behalf uh, the best uh, advocacy for the property owner in other words the advocate for the insurance company is the adjuster the advocate for the property owner is your roofing company and their experts behind it so so there is some contentious deal dealings there (laughs) sometimes you end up with a a, an adjuster that doesn't have the authority okay Um, when i say authority they don't have the authority to actually approve a loss to the extent that's there Okay. So it will more than likely after your first meeting with that adjuster, it's going to get moved to a different adjuster, and then mm-hmm. usually you're ending up with somebody with a little more experience. Sure. And then you have a dialogue that's going to uh, commence from that point forward, and at that point they know who you are, and you know who they are. Right. So it makes it a lot easier that way to start working with adjusters. But
0: do you do you get the option to work with you know um, certain adjusters like that you can call on, or is it just kind of Base by base. I
1: mean, how does that? How can you go about that? For the most part, insurance companies will just assign uh, cases to adjusters. Okay. But in most of the large loss cases, it's a small group. Okay. And sometimes you actually see the move from one company to another. Okay. So I'll, you'll pick them up, and you'll be like, "Oh, hey, how are you? are okay. You're with you're with Hartford now. Okay, cool." And then yeah. they know who you are. So when you get up into the the large loss areas. You're starting to see a smaller group of adjusters that have been in the business for a long time. You see a lot
0: of familiar faces.
1: Yeah, and they know who you are, and they—if you've had a good experience with them in the past, okay. you have got a good relationship. If not, then you know you just kind of—it's—you act professional. Okay. So that's all you can do. So
0: it's going to be friends yes. you'll see them down the road, sure. no matter where they yeah. go. Don't be
1: don't be mean <laughs> to these guys. They have a tough job, and believe it or not, they they don't get paid as well as you'd think they do. Yeah. Um, my mother was a thirty-year retired general adjuster, and oh. the way they the way they work their people is, um, in some cases, just not not great. So, they'd rather be on your side in a minute. Many, many instances, in mm-hmm. fact, some instances we've had adjusters move from the adjusting side to um, our side on the contracting end.
0: Wow, so, that's good. Well, yeah. hopefully, that industry kind of um, levels out. I,
1: I think they will. It's just it again. What you bring to it is what you're going to get out of it. Sure. So, just be nice be nice in the end it's all gonna it's all gonna iron out so
0: (laughs) absolutely now what is it like behind the scenes as an adjuster like on their walk is that any different than um you know you're talking about the how a roofer would go up there and recognize damage and how they would do everything i mean does that kind of differ with an adjustment walk
1: um the adjuster up there is up there to investigate um a lot of times cat there's a difference between a cat adjuster which is a catastrophe adjuster, mm-hmm. and opposed to an in-house adjuster.
0: And does that differ with states?
1: Um, it does not, okay. usually. Um, cat, cat teams, actually cat teams from Colorado, are probably being sent to Florida right now. Sure. So, uh, and for, we'll definitely store, get to that yes. soon. But um, no, it really doesn't, and they should be doing exactly what we're doing okay. on the roof. But in a lot of instances, these guys have 15 properties to look at in a day. Mm. So, this is a pri. You know, it's a preliminary assessment of what's going on up here. They really don't want to hear from you in the jibber jabber. Right. If they, in a lot of instances, if I get a feeling from the adjuster that they just want to be left alone to look at it, I say, you know, go Read ahead. The room. Yeah, just no, just go <laughs> ahead. I, you know, go go do what you got to do, and then and then we can talk before you leave. Yeah, sure, okay. So then, at that point, they will do their inspection. They will yeah. not have any forensic information they're not going to cut into the roof right they may have some previous information that you're not privy to okay. which is always good to have um and they will not share it unless you're nice to them for instance <laughs> sometimes you, you're on a roof with an insurance adjuster they've pulled the history on the property and this person may have already gotten a claim paid for last year okay. and you have a new storm and they paid the client and they didn't replace the roof which means now it's Uh-oh. not covered. Yep. So he, he will eventually give you that information, but he may come back to you right then and there and say, hey, I, we got an issue here. Yeah. And then you know that, hey, we do have an issue we need to address and whatnot. So for the, for the most instance in the background, what they're doing is they're identifying the policy mm-hmm. okay? with, with corporate. So a lot of times they'll walk in and they're on the phone with them and they're trying to figure out what's covered okay. under the policy. So they're doing a lot of stuff inside. A lot of times they do it before they sure. get on the roof, which I think is kind of like, cart before the horse. But, right. but they still, it's how they how they're trained to do it. Um, and then um, at that point they're trying to put their their dollar amounts there in as an advocate for the uh, insurance carrier, not for the property owner. Mm-hmm. So they're going to try and get this paid for as you know within the policy limits of least as possible. So that's how they get paid. Sometimes they do get bonuses, and a lot of them won't say that, but they do.
0: Do so the cat adjusters or do they operate differently? On the they master? do.
1: Um, from what I understand, and this is just from the people I know and that have worked in the industry, they actually get paid more for um, for getting uh, claims approved.
0: Interesting. But
1: a lot of times, what I find is on the cat side, it's it's the first first blush Mm -hmm. so it's the first thing so he says yeah you have damage but i'm just going to be able to write it up to here you're going to have to deal with all the rest of the stuff and then they're honest with you they say we're i'm going to get you to here and i and i'm done with it and then it's going to go to corporate and then they're going to handle it from that point as he goes and a lot of times they say i know there's more damage here but i'm going (laughs) to write it to this i've got 15 more properties to go get on And then I I communicate with them as well. If you're nice to them, sometimes they'll say, hey, you know what? I got got other test cuts to do. Do you mind if you come with me today and I'll introduce you to the property owner? No problem. Sure. So a lot of times they can be your best advocate as well, and they know if you've got more projects going with them, you're going to be a little nicer too. Yeah. So, and it's it's that's just the way you, you want to find a way to work with these people and, and be nice. Relationship
0: building, I think in general, no matter what industry, and in, is so important.
1: Especially when you're working and with adversaries, you yeah. have to. Right. So, and once they see that you've done something good for their client, and the, and at the end all be all. It goes back to the agent that sold the policy. And if they're happy, then that agent is saying, wow, okay, I got a good team here. And then they save a client because they're going to have to re-up in a year or two on their policies. It'll all come back to you. Yep, that's right.
0: (laughs) Okay, now, as far as an adjuster disagreeing with a damage report, what does that look like?
1: Um, Usually when they disagree with it, um, they usually go straight to what's called an engineer. So okay. they, they tend not to disagree with the damage report, Okay. hardly ever. You'll hardly ever say, I just don't, I don't agree with it. Okay. They may say on the roof that I'm just not seeing it. But when you push them with a report, they're immediately going to send it to legal. Okay. Legal's going to say, get an engineer out there. Okay. So then at that point, you want to meet their engineer out there mm. and you want to show the engineer what you've found. The engineer sometimes will come with uh, another company that can do roof cuts
0: okay
1: um, at that point you have to be very careful and this is where you get in some procedural stuff primarily because you've already done cuts on that roof now you have a roofing company usually <laughs> from outside that wants to come in and do roofing cuts you need to kindly notify them and say guys we have a contract mm-hmm. we are we are the general contractor on this property right. okay we have cut into this roof. We are insured. You guys, if you're cutting into this roof again, mm-hmm. I need to get an additional insured policy from right. you. Stay in your lane. We we have we have approval for it, but if there are if there is damage that goes to this property from an from a uh, an inadequate repair from your roof cuts, mm-hmm. and then usually what they do is they have that guy stand back, and then you get to do all the roof cuts, and then you invoice the insurance company. Mm. So, that's that's usually the process you do there. That's called protecting your client. Right, and that's knowledge. Right, you, know, you just have to have in the field. So when they disagree, they're bringing they're bringing out their experts. Gotcha. To redact anything that you do, if it is there, a lot of times I've seen when they do redact and they're not supposed to, I usually take them apart because um, I always tell them. I said, I just want to let you know, I've got four children. <laughs> I know when people are lying, it makes it, but after you have four kids, you know, when people are lying and when you put it in words, um, I'll tear you apart if it's not, if it's not right. And I, and I do give them that caveat just like that on the roof. I'm
0: going to tell you straight up. That's
1: usually the final conversation I have with them after being nice, because I know it's going to go into that piece. And I just tell them, I say, I will take you apart.
0: Like, I'm not the one. To so, mess
1: with this. <laughs> this no, I'm just, I just tell them, I'm, I'm going to take you apart yep. here. Don't do it. Yep. And if, and if you want to talk to the adjuster and look at, they, they, know who I am. Let's just get through this and just be honest. And more times than not, they come back with a report that goes beyond even what I found. So, okay. um, and a lot of instances, I, I run into the same engineers. So, mm. I know the usual suspects, yep. and I know the ones who are, are are i would just say not outcome based that's the best way to put it
0: (laughs) interesting okay um john i just want to um dive a little bit into what's going on in florida right now because i know that there's a huge hurricane coming right um can you talk a little bit about that and what your thoughts are on with that storm
1: yes um Going into what's going on in Florida, it's, um, there's obviously a a hurricane that's coming through and it's, um, going to be, it's going, it's going to cause a lot of property damage, um, property damage to roofs, uh, to property, um, water intrusion and whatnot. So there's going to be flooding. Um, there's, there's going to be a lot of damage to properties. Um, and those poor people, we, we are definitely, uh, praying for them. So, um, in, in that case, um, when we're looking at storms of this uh, size and capacity, um, there's there's one little known thing out there in, in the industry, and that is there is a 72 hour period after the damage has been uh, as, after the damage has happened okay. that um, people who can help the property owners um, cannot be approached for 72 hours. Which means if you're an attorney, mm-hmm. you cannot sign anything with an attorney for 72 hours. Hmm. And you also cannot have any public adjuster execute anything or even communicate with you Why for 72 this? hours. It's There's a law in there, and I, and I believe it's 72 hours for, for, for Florida, but there is a period of time when you cannot approach customers prior to a storm or even 72 hours after the storm. So that gives the... Insurance companies' time to assess the damage gotcha. and to start working with the clients, uh, with with their clients and and the and the the policyholders is what we call um, as a policyholder advocate, which is my side that I'm usually on. Sometimes I'm on the insurance side as an expert, but um, in that case, um, you would be able to approach the property owners. So, mm-hmm. um, the one thing that you know is sort of hindsight is and i'm sure you've seen this on the news and most of your insurance companies will have it in their nice little packets that you never open and look at but it says that you need to um you need to actually go through and itemize your property um all your belongings um, get serial numbers and put it somewhere safe because when these storms hit, there's going to be a lot of damage. Right. And the only thing that might be left over is just your records of what you had. So, And that's the only way the insurance company can pay you for your loss is if you have records. So, yeah. so many times people, when we get on site on some of these large loss projects, they never did do an inventory. Yeah. So we don't know what their loss is. Sure. And they don't know what their loss is. In some cases, the entire building's gone. And there's nothing to do, especially in a tornado or something like this there will be tornadoes more than likely behind this system so yeah there's tornado hail and wind uh, hurricane wind and then there'll be the water intrusion so there's going to be some pretty devastating damage down there so with that in mind um out there um i'm gonna i'm an advocate for policyholders Um, i'm an advocate for having uh, property owners and policyholders who uh, go to um, go to and use um, public adjusters Experts like me, contractors who have expertise in this side um, of putting together a claim and helping putting those claims together on behalf of the property owner and uh, doing the work too. That's another thing. There's a Mm -hmm. lot of companies out there that can't do the work and you're waiting two years to get anything done because you're in a fight over an insurance company. In a lot of cases, um, good companies um, like myself, we could do what was called an assignment, take over the project do the work and then go after the insurance company thereafter so we would be able to so we would be able to address that. So in other words, uh, more, uh, more verse companies, uh, more capable um, companies that have experts on their side, um, Capella is one of them right. um, and then they also have the uh, financial backing and the wherewithal to get your project done and then worry about the insurance company later mm-hmm. um, at the end of the day we, all, all, all the people want is their property back yeah. and you want to make sure you pick your companies correctly and get them done So to get your project done so with that in mind, um, that's what I have in mind with the people in Florida um, if you are out of Florida and you're coming back, obviously you guys know to bring pretty much everything with you um, yeah. you may not even have cell phones working at this point, but they should have cat teams. Uh, talk to your, talk to your cat teams out there that are, the adjusters are out there. The water, um, abatement people are out there as well. A lot of times they have services that are backed by, uh, the red cross and there's a, probably a ton of church groups down there trying to help people out. So that's, that's really who you want to turn to in the first 72 hours. Don't try to sign a contract to get your place fixed. Yeah. Take care of yourselves first. <laughs> do you have
0: any other tips for them um on this
1: um when you come back to the property take as many pictures as you possibly can mm-hmm. of the damage, um, because you're going to be first on site. Well, maybe second after the after the cat teams are there. Right. You may not get there until after the cat teams are already gone. But take pictures, take sure. photos of what what you what you what you can get to, and by all means, don't get on the roof you, unless you're a structural engineer and know that your property is is structurally sound. Mm-hmm. Don't get on your roof. There's no need to get up there. That will be assessed uh, at, a, at an appropriate time. Wow. So
0: okay. Thank you for that. Um, and I, you know, we're going to actually switch gears here because I know that you were um, on a pretty significant bad faith case. And I'm just going to ask you, if you wouldn't mind, just diving into that, what is it? What, what, what went on with that?
1: Well, in uh, certain states, you have what's called bad faith against insurance companies. And going back to what I was saying about Florida, when you get a good company that's going to come in and do the work for you, that company will take over the... Um, the benefits from your insurance and okay. they will do the work okay so when the work is completed the the uh, contractor is to receive the benefits from the insurance carrier well in my case I did a case here in Colorado and um, I, I was a contractor on, on the case and in that particular instance it was it was a church in North Glen um, we went ahead and uh, finished the project and the insurance company uh, paid uh, too slow and in some instances didn't pay for things that we felt they should mm. so we went ahead and after doing the project we filed suit against the insurance carrier um, they were not willing to uh, settle the case and unfortunately for them uh, we took it to trial here in Colorado and we won so we won at what's called a bad faith case mm. In the state of Colorado, it's statutory two times damages. So if if you're two times whatever the amount of was for the award, then it's technically three times the entire amount. Gotcha. So we were we we won that case and that's currently an appeal. Then the interesting part is we were the only contractor I know of of record up to this point, and it's I'm I'm not saying that's absolute but we are the only contractor of record that has won a bad faith case against wow. insurance care. So that that is big in our industry, especially when you're talking about the large loss groups because yeah. they all know yeah. who the players are in the, in, in the industry. Yeah. And when you're willing to go that far and you've taken them all the way to the end and won, they know that you're not messing around with them. So to have someone like that on in your on your side with respect right. to dealing with an insurance carrier, they tend to deal with you uh, a little quicker. Um, they tend to deal deal with you with um, how do I say, kid gloves um, if you're a boxer out there. Right. Um, in other words, they're not going to bring out the heavy hitters on you to try and bully you and and badger you into taking a claim that's less than what you deserve. Okay. So. Um, and that's that's been a nice piece to uh, what I have for our company in that the last couple of claims I've had um, with some of the larger carriers uh, it's gone very smooth and it's been pretty easy to get uh, what, what the client deserves without having to go through all the expert, testimony and going to court and all that stuff. So they, they tend to treat you a little differently when you've done, uh, when you've gone through the gauntlet with, uh, with this process. So, but we're proud to be one, I believe the only general contractor that successfully sued an insurance carrier and won rightfully, a bad faith case. And, uh, that is against guide one insurance, which is, uh, they primarily do churches and nonprofits. So, um, I, I hope they change their ways in the future. I'm sure I will see them again on another case because I do have a lot of church um, clients. So we'll see what happens.
0: Oh, thank yeah. you for sharing that. And I just want to kind of wrap up with just, if you wouldn't mind, just sharing a little bit more about your uh, your background and what you, what you specialize in. Okay. Just kind of educate what, us on that a What
1: bit. I specialize in is I'm basically a forensic expert um, expert witness in court okay. in some instances I've been brought in as a factual witness. So if I have other uh, like a, like a group of experts that have brought reports into me to read over, I will review them. I will do a summary report and then all I'm doing is summarizing what the facts are from those reports. Gotcha. So, um, that's a little bit different capacity with respect to what, uh, what you do in the legal end of it. So, sure. um, so that's a piece that we that we do on the expert witness side. Um, that sometimes will actually move into the property as well. Okay. So on the construction side, when you have water intrusion uh, into a property, you're going to have um, you're going to have the floorboards that need to be brought up. You're going to have flooring that needs to come up all the way up to a water line. So at that point, I have the expertise to bring in. Um, what's called environmental hygienists they're experts in all their own and they come in and they analyze whether or not we have mold that we're they were having to deal with and what to what extent um they actually have the lines up on the walls okay so if they do hit a capacity that's beyond the uh the electrical mm-hmm. pieces then those need to be pulled i've had instances where we've had underground uh uh underground wires from a circuit box inside the building oh, well. and the conduit that was going under the concrete yeah. was open because they had to run the wires in and the water line went above that so it was all the way through the water lines
0: oh my goodness. underneath
1: the slab on grade. yeah so that that was a big case that we had to deal with right but so i bring in experts to handle all that and then um obviously sometimes that process has already started before i get there because, unfortunately, when I say unfortunate, I just say, fortunately for the, for the property owner, they had people that got there quick that are capable of doing a 24-hour service. And you'll see a lot of that in, in Florida. Um, but you're going to have the, uh, the big players that are coming in. They have mm-hmm. big trucks, and they've got more blowers you know, for, for drying <laughs> yep. out. Property than you can even imagine. I mean, they've got truckloads of these things, right. and they're putting them in a property. And they at that point once once that happens and that starts, know that your insurance company is going to get a bill, or you are. So, um, but either way, when you're dealing with mold, you want to get that that moisture out. So sure. you're kind of in a in a in a tight spot. Yeah. Okay. And um, so that's that's that scenario. But um, that's what I do um, for the most part. I've done some firework. Okay. Um, primarily when you're doing firework, um, when, when, a, when there's a fire on a property, you're looking at the, um, the reports from the, from the fire department on where it started, how it started, whatnot. That usually gives you an idea of how you're walking through the property. Makes sense. If, it, if it was a causality of electrical issue, then now you've got suspect of there could be some electrical issues in this property that need to be addressed. Because um, once you fix that one, then there could be more right. so and you may be on the hook so you may make a recommendation to, to bring the property up to code gotcha. with respect to that so Good. and then the other end of the expertise I have is working with the code and, code and ordinance which is the jurisdictional authorities that, that dictate what code books you're, you're using okay so in those code books um, there are many many facets to uh, to what you're actually working on. So if you're working on roofs, you're, you're going to be in the IBC okay. or the IRC. If one is for the International Building Code is for commercial property, mm-hmm. and the IRC is the for residential property. Okay. Then from there, you have another. There's, there's like 12 books to what they, what they have. They have separated plumbing. Um, that's the IPC. Um, they've separated out uh, the IECC, which is the energy conservation okay. portion, which for roofing, you have to know that as well because you need to be able to determine how much more insulation needs to be above deck mm-hmm. now when you replace that roof. So in some instances, we're looking at almost a foot right. of additional insulation. Oh. So, And in some jurisdictions, like in, in uh, Illinois, uh, I've cut into roofs that had almost three and a half feet of insulation wow. because it was tapered into it. So even though it was two feet yeah. where it was, it was mm-hmm. still almost three feet where it was tapered since it wasn't engineered. And that gets into identifying roofs too, but I didn't get into it. I'm not going to get into that right now. Right. But um, for the most part, that's what that's what I do. That's my expertise. Okay. Building these things back. Right. And it's, it's, it's not... It's not a trade that you can do behind a computer. Right. It's one that you need to get out there and taste it and touch it. And it's, not, yeah, and it's not just somebody that cuts into a roof and puts out a report either. Sure. Um, one of the big things is I've learned more from roofs by not just going out there and doing the investigations, mm-hmm. but actually doing the work. Yep. when you tear that roof off you're like wow I didn't realize that was there right and I didn't you're not going to catch it in, in an investigation because you're only doing a small piece of that roof right. and you get into a whole other section you go well I wasn't expecting to have three layers of roof over here yeah. I didn't catch it so makes
0: sense but
1: when you start to see them tore apart then you get to see what they're about and then when you build them back mm-hmm. you have to take into account all the engineering yep that was done before, that you may not have any records of. You have to take into account all the um, current codes, Mm. and you have to take into account what is the best purpose, um, what's the purpose of the property. Um, Because a PVC roof may be more more appropriate than a TPO roof. Sure. And does it have to be a class A? Mm. Do you need to have it fire rated? That's gonna be in the code, and also what the property is being used for. So your roof assembly, your your rebuild will dictate what that assembly needs to be. And then um, on the other side of it, too, um, I'm really good at making sure on the estimate side Mm -hmm. that every single element is put into that estimate. That's important. Yep. So um, I don't do the estimating, per Mm se, Um, on the insurance side. Once again, I have experts do that that are what I call, um, they are level three. Okay. They are level three Xactimate, that's what they do. Right. The Xactimate is the language that the insurance companies use. Gotcha. Us contractors, we use a different language. Sure. So I, my job as a licensed contractor is to make sure that all the elements are in that Xactimate. Mm-hmm. I could care less about the dollar amounts that Xactimate kicks out sure. because that's Xactimate and that's the insurance side. So I always say that that is the language that the insurance companies speak. So I get an expert that knows how to speak that language. <laughs> and I just make sure that expert has my list of everything on it. And I look through the item itemized to make sure everything is on it. Makes sense. Yep. Wow.
0: Wow. Well, I mean, John, you're, you have so much knowledge again. So <laughs> I, I appreciate you coming on here and sharing this with us and giving your thoughts on, again, the Florida and, and the storm that's coming and, your recommendations, because this is huge. It's going to impact a lot of people. Um, so we appreciate that as well. But we hope to see you back on here. And thank you so much for coming on to our podcast today. Yes,
1: thank you.